And it's Acts chapter 15, verse 19 to verse 35. And then Lord willing, we'll preach something else for the baby dedication. So, Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 19. And Luke is the author, and he writes, Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Verse 22, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are at who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words and settling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood, and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were there themselves, prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Thank you for your providence that we can have a generator to give us power so we can continue to worship you and have the words up on the screen. We just thank you for your, your kindness and your goodness, your providence. Thank you that you are sovereign over everything. But thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that your word is there to guide us and direct us, is there to build us up. It's there to help us to, to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. It's there to help us honor you in everything we do and say, and to bear fruit. So help us now, Father, as we come to, to hear your word. Help us to listen. Help us to allow the word to, 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 to move us in a way that it convicts us of our sin, it grows us, it matures us, and it brings us to our knees in repentance. Father, forgive us, for we do not always walk humbly and faithfully with you. We do not always listen to you. There are times when we are disobedient. But help us now, Father, 
to hear what your word says to our hearts and our minds. So we can go out there and we can fight the good fight. We can defend the truth. We can contend for the truth. We can, we can even maybe lay down our lives for the truth. Yeah, we read men who risked their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. What great men they were, Paul and Barnabas. So help us now, Father. Help us to be stirred up in to be great and godly and humble servants of Christ. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue with part two in our series, um, How to Respond to False Doctrine. We've already looked at two things from part one. That was disturbance and a discussion. Now we're going to look at another two things, our third and fourth thing, coming up in verses 19 to 35. And that is to help us how to respond to false doctrine. Now if you've missed out on the 26th, the 2nd, the 9th, you're welcome to go to rrcc.ca.za and you can listen there on the web about those three sermons I've already preached and there is an introduction as well. So you can go there and, and, and just hear what these letters are about or, or what's happening in chapter 15. But there is a false doctrine. There is a false teaching. Because men are coming and they're saying that we need partly Jesus, partly grace, but then partly circumcision and partly the law. It's a serious threat to the Christian truth, to the doctrines of grace and salvation. And it's a serious threat to Christian love. The, the fellowship is at stake. I think about that. I wonder how many churches, when we have meetings, we, we just fight for doctrine, but we don't think of how it's going to affect our fellowship. And how it's going to affect us loving brothers and sisters in Christ. We focus on so much on dotting our eyes, crossing our teeth, which is important. But at the expense of how we're going to carry this decision over to the church. So we remain united together as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we can work together in love and harmony. And often we do it without actually thinking of the other side, fellowship. Because... Satan is going to get into our minds and try and destroy the church. He's not going to come from the outside. Yes, someone will come from the outside, but they will say they're a Christian. But he'll always come from the inside of the church. Someone said, Satan is the counterfeiter. He has a false gospel, Galatians 1, 6-9, preached by false ministers, 2 Corinthians 11, 13-12. Producing false Christians, 2 Corinthians 11.26. Satan plants his counterfeits wherever God plants true believers, Matthew 13.38. So Satan will come and rise up in our midst. So that's beautiful to spend some time in this passage and, and see how are we going to respond to false teachers and doctrines that will arise in our midst. Another person said, Satan's... Greatest ambassadors are not pimps, politicians, or power brokers, but pastors. Hi, his priests do not peddle a different religion, but a deadly perversion of the true one. His troops do not make a full-out frontal assault, 
but work as agents, sneaking into the opposing army. Satan's tactics are studied, clever, predictable and effective. Therefore, we must always remain vigilant. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. But if you're not in the scriptures daily, you're not reading God's word, you will not recognize them by their fruits. So we need to be aware that in this church, a false teacher can arise. And we need to know how we can then respond to the false teacher who's going to bring a false doctrine. So it's important that we look at this passage in time. So let's look at our other two things this morning from Acts chapter 15 verses 19 to 35. Let's look at another two things, the third and fourth thing, the two final things to see and to help us to respond to false doctrine. And the third thing to help us to respond to false doctrine is there is a decision. There's been a disturbance. The false doctrine has brought a disturbance. And with that came a discussion, a debate. And now there is a decision. And there we see it in verse 19. James says, after listening to Paul and Peter and Barnabas, he says, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but we should write to them. They kind of all agreed that the Jews and Gentiles, we are all sinners before God, and we can only be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, not through circumcision, keeping the law and observing rituals. None of this to be saved and to be obedient to Christian living. These leaders have come together and, they, and they've obviously made up their mind. They don't even bring that into this letter. They're not even going to address that. Because they've discussed it amongst each other and they are in agreement with each other. They're united together because they have been directed by one person and that is the Holy Spirit. Because these men are full of the Spirit. There's unity between them and the triune God. And we can see this because they've written it down in Scripture. That's the proof. That they were united together with Christ, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. But they decide. Let's write to them about this, rather. And we're going to look at some of those things now. But the beautiful thing, they came together. And now they're going to share their decision from their meeting where they had a discussion. And what they're asking for is obedience to practical matters of fellowship among the Gentiles. I like what someone said, and I didn't put it in his words, but just like they don't want the Jews to divide the church with their Jewish practices, false teaching, so they also don't want the Gentiles to divide the church over some of their pagan practices, false teaching. And that's where church has to be so... Loving when, when, when visitors come, when, when, when people come that you know are not a believer because of what they bring. They bring garbage. They bring what the other churches taught them. They bring what they think they know. And, 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 and some of it could be false. But we've got to be, we've got to be sensitive and, and, and know how to, to love and deal with these people. 
and not think, oh, are you stupid or you're ignorant? And then we show ourselves, are we arrogant and superior? We're not self-righteous. We're not, we're not above anybody. Christ is the head of the church. And we submit to Him. And we allow Him through His Word to keep us humble and to, to govern our thinking and our, and our behavior and our conduct as we react with people. The most important thing, I think, which is not seen in Christianity today is the love for one another when we do dispute things and when we go and meet with people and have disagreements. We are so focused on, on being right at the expense of being godly before those people. We, we, we throw our character out the window. And John Newton said, when you go, and I've told you this many times, but, but when you go and you, and you share something, with someone. Your character is so important. They, they listen to your argon, argument, but they are always going to remember how you behaved. And if you behave and throw your toys out the cot, that's all they're going to remember. And how, why should they listen to you? Why should they? Why should I listen to someone that, that's, that, that swears at you and shouts at you and, and, and throws his fists at you? And um, yeah, some Christians probably do that. But these men, it's encouraging to see that this letter shows loving unity of, of, of these men, of people who, who, who have come together. Jews and Gentiles. It's amazing that the Jews once hated the Gentiles and the Gentiles hated the Jews. And now they, they're coming together to, to form a, a, a loving, practical way forward where they can work together in love and harmony. Why? Because Christ has come and He's broken down those barriers and that dividing wall. There's now one new man. There's no more Jew and Gentile, slave and, and, and woman and man. We are one in Christ and now we are together. And in verse 20 of Acts chapter 15, James is asking for obedience to follow Jesus' teaching. He's kind of saying to the Gentile Christians, and to everybody, deny yourselves, take up your cross daily and follow Christ. Meaning, let go of your pagan traditions. Let go on to the things that you hold on. And the only person you must hold on into is to Christ Jesus alone. That's what it means to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Him. Let go of your traditions. Let go of your, 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 your indifferences, your opinions. But don't let go of Jesus. Because He you hold on alone. And the first thing he asked them to do is abstain from the things polluted by idols. Meaning they stop participating in, 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 in temple worship where they're sacrificing animals to their gods. And it was advised that they should abstain from it. And when you go to the market, because some of that meat was taken from the temple, taken to the market and sold. And... Don't buy that meat. Beware of your Jews, Jewish Christians looking on. Be sensitive. This is conscience. Paul speaks it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, I think, about your conscience, how you must be aware. Be sensitive to what other people might think. Because there's mature Christians and immature Christians. And, and mature Christians must be sensitive to the way a, a, a uh, an immature Christian is going to think of what you're doing. There's so much love, and yet we, we forfeit it. The, the, the second thing 
that James talks about is abstain from sexual immorality. They went to a temple and there were sexual practices that went on. And orgies, it was all to the glory of their God. That's how they worshipped. There was sexual sin. But also in the form of idolatry and incest. But their, 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 their sexual immorality was associated with worship of, of pagan gods in particular. Um, there, were prost- there were temples filled with prostitutes where a man can give himself through a woman to the God he was worshipping. You realize how dark the world was back then. But we have the power of the gospel for salvation. That's what the world needs today, is the gospel. No government's going to save this country. But the church that has the gospel, we have the gospel, can make it known to people. The third thing James asks from, for them to abstain is, is from what has been strangled and from blood. Again, they would strangle animals to sacrifice, but then they wouldn't drain the blood out of the animal. And you're not supposed to eat the meat until the blood is drained. Or they would take the blood and they would drink it and make covenant promises to their gods by the drinking of the, the blood. Like someone said, eating of blood was strictly forbidden to the Jews. Why? Blood contained the life. Leviticus 17, 11. And it also could mean abstain from blood. It could also do with God's picture of the preciousness of life. Pagan practices with the Gentiles were also sacrificing their children on altars. Offering up their blood to the gods. And it's amazing, eventually the Jewish nation, some of the Jews brought into that worship. And also took their children and sacrificed them to the other gods. It's so beautiful that these men, they they met and they just didn't discuss one thing. They looked at the overall picture. How what Jewish practices will interfere with the Gentiles and what Gentile practices would interfere with the Jewish and what would not be Christ honoured. What what great men coming together and, and, and putting this together. And it's good to see how these two these two churches, the Church of Antioch and the Church of Jerusalem, how the leadership works together, take the time to listen to each other, to learn from each other, to, to learn to, to love each other. And that's what Jesus prayed for. He said that His people might be united together so that the world might believe on Him, believe that You have sent Me. The world's not going to believe us if we are just always fighting and divided over petty things like what side should this piano be on? The left side or the right side? What colour should these walls be? What mugs should we use for coffee? And this stuff does go on in churches, sadly to say. It's because of our pettiness. It's because of our fallen nature. It's because of, of, of arrogance and pride as well. We, we ourselves must also be, be careful that, that that we don't place our traditions and our preferences. Yes, we're talking about false doctrine here, but it's easy for us to come in and place our traditions and our preferences on people rather than allow Christians to live the Christian life by Christ Jesus and His Spirit. 
not by our demands. A great one is, is, is I just go back to when I was at BI, there was a, a lecturer there that, that he said, as long as he is a pastor of a church, there will never be drums in worship. But we've got to learn. We've got to learn to give and take in these kind of matters so that we can live and work together in love and harmony. It's a secondary matter. It's not a, it's not a, a fundamental matter. A, 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 it's, a, it's a secondary matter. It's just little issues that we need to just work together. We can learn so much from these leaders. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And do one another in showing honor. When last have we complete, competed with someone in honor? Are doing someone in honor? They respond to false doctrine in love. The decision is not a one-man decision. Yes, Peter and James had more authority. They were apostles. Or Peter was an apostle and James was the, the elder, the, the pastor of the Jerusalem church. Um, they could have said, this is our decision. No, it was a united decision. The church sought unity of, of mind. And then what do they do? They write a letter and they write these things in the letter as well. And they send the letter on the way with brothers. Again, they're careful to choose who's going to take the letter. I'm not going to just send anybody or the guy that's the wealthiest or the richest or can speak the best or the cleverest or the smartest. No, they look at character. They look at the brothers. Leading men among the brothers. Leaders. They choose strong men these leaders to take this important letter, who are clothed in Christ-like love, who are full of the Spirit, and not full of themselves, which we see a lot today in the pulpit. They, they take this letter. Judas, who's a Hebrew-speaking believer, called Barsabbas. There's Silas, who's also a, a Jew, but he's a, a Greek-speaking Jewish believer what wisdom two jews one hebrew speaking one greek speaking and they go to a greek or a, a, a gentile church filled with with greeks and they go there with paul and and barnabas very wise of these leaders seeking the lord's wisdom not their own wisdom it's another thing when we come and discuss false doctrinal issues we seek the lord's wisdom and we'll see that more in our in our second thing this morning and then they also mention about Paul and Barnabas men that have risked their lives for the Lord Jesus and we know that we've been through Acts 13 and 14 we saw them on their first missionary journey and we'll see again Lord willing in the future when they go on their second missionary journey how these two men risked their lives and and probably Silas as well And the only reason why people will risk their lives for Christ is because of the love of Christ that is in them. They've embraced the truths of the gospel. They have these convictions that compel them. And the love of Christ compels them to love people for the concern of the church, concern of the people. And they will risk their lives. 
But they also know where they're going. We're very earthly minded today. The more heavenly minded are, the more you know that this life can offer you nothing. We are pilgrims passing through. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. They know that. If you read most of Paul's letters, and we miss that, is he's always pointing people to a future hope. To the new heavens and new earth. Because that's what keeps you marching on for Christ. That there is a future hope. That there is a new heavens and new earth. And this letter is also important because it, it, it tells the church of Antioch that, that we didn't send these men to come and, and make trouble. They came there on their own. We did not send them to unsettle your minds and trouble your minds. Because that's what false doctrine does. It, it troubles the church. It troubles the people in the church. And it compromises a simple message of gospel truth, the gospel of God. It robs Christians of the assurance of salvation and leaves them feeling confused. And then they're like a cork in the sea, tossed to and fro. Because now they don't know what to believe. False doctrine does so much damage to a church. False doctrine brings disorder, havoc, and eventually splits the church. And people still boast in that. But not these leaders. As I said, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're united together, interpreting the acts of God in light of the Scripture. And it is being said that the Holy Spirit had been leading them like this. Verse 28 says, For, he has, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Oh, what, what, what great men. How they, how they, how they trusted the scriptures, they would have looked back at the, the Old Testament. They didn't have the New Testament, but they had the Torah. And they would have they looked back at, at Peter's experience with Cornelius and his household. They looked at Paul and Barnabas with their experience on the first missionary journey. And then they listened to James who upholds the word and brings scripture to them. That's how we should debate and argue, like on a Wednesday, out of scripture. Not our opinions. When we bring our opinions divorced from Scripture, we're actually telling each other we don't know much about Scripture. We're actually fooling ourselves. We should say, look, this is what the book of Hebrews says. Look at verse 2. It's telling us. Why do you think the book was written? Look, there's a better way. It's Jesus Christ. A better way into the presence of God. Because it wasn't like that in the Old Testament. He is the way and the truth and life. No one can come to the Father but through Him. He is the perfect high priest who's opened up the sanctuary, the heavens, for us to go in like never before. And someone said the Spirit's work in leading the Jerusalem Council was to provide a solution consistent with the truth of the Gospel, enabling Jewish and Gentile Christians to live together in love. That is so important to a church. A church can have the most beautiful building, it can have the most beautiful interior decoration, it can have everything, the best worship team, can have the best pastor, but if it does not have God's love, it's just one big noise. And the church isn't a professional place. It's a place where imperfect people come and God uses them through their imperfections to go out there and serve Him for His glory and honor. 
Be careful we don't church, turn churches in, into, in, into institutions and places that are not actually are called in Scripture at all. This is a living organism. Christ is the head of our church. And all He wants to do is see hearts that are obedient and humble and honour Him. And no one's perfect. Even when we mess up, we can ask each other to forgive each other and that is still honouring God. No one's perfect. Even I'm not perfect. You know that. We, God uses us through our imperfections. No one is above anybody. If the only person that is above us is Christ. He's above us and we all work together in love and harmony to build each other up, to help each other when times are tough. Again, we have load shedding twice to today. Now and again later. We can either grumble or we can pray about it. It's easy to grumble because it's part of our fallen nature. It's part of who we are. It's easy to sin because it's part of who we are. But to do good, to do, be godly, requires work. Because it's not who we are. So when an issue of false doctrine arises, church leaders should go to the Scriptures. They should discuss the problem through the Scriptures. Based on the decision that the Holy Spirit shows them in the Scriptures. He will talk to us through the Scriptures. He will speak to us through the Scriptures. He will guide us as we go through the Scriptures. And He will teach us how to, what to do, the decision, how to work it out. But we can always be wise in our own eyes and lean on our own understanding, which we know is not good. It's not healthy for the bones or healthy for the church. We go to the Scriptures. And that's how we respond to anything in this church. Go to the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures like the Bereans to see if this is, can stand up. Because truth is at stake. And we want to be biblical in our decisions. We want to be God-honoring in our decisions. We want to bring glory to God. So this third thing we looked at, the decision to help us to respond to false doctrine. Will we learn from the book of Acts? Will we look to the cross of Christ? Will we believe what scriptures say? Will we fight for the doctrine of grace? Will we fight for the truths? From the scriptures. Because when Satan comes, when false doctrine comes, we must be like Jesus in the wilderness. As it is written. As it is written. As it is written. When someone, and they've done it to me, and it catches you, when you talk to someone about the scriptures, they will say to you, Mark, what does John 15, 6 say? Before you say anything more, go read John 15, 6. Tell me what it says. And it catches you of God because you know, you wait, wait, you might be saying something wrong. You go there and you realize, wait, you are right. I'm wrong. Thank you for that. We, should, we need to know scriptures. So scriptures can build this church up, build our lives up, and fight the good fight against false doctrine. Lord willing, I'll continue in two weeks' time with our final thing from part two. Let's pray. Father, we... But just thank you that we can come to your word and we can be guided by your word, how to conduct ourselves in this church, especially when, when false teaching comes up or there's indifferences or issues or whatever, Father. Thank you that we're not left alone to, to grapple in the dark. You've given us the light. You've given us the word. You've given us the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scriptures, to teach us your truth so we can honor you and, and fight for the gospel of truth. 
So Father, help us. Help us as a church to, 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 to discuss any false teaching and then come up with a decision. A godly decision. A decision that will honor you. A decision that, that works together with you, Father, and the brothers and sisters. So we can keep working, united together in Christ, in love and harmony, in fellowship, one in Christ. Father, help us to always fight for the love, for brotherly love. Let love be genuine. So Father, thank you now. Thank you that we can come to the Lord's table and we can be reminded of who we are in Christ, that we deserve nothing. What a privilege it is to be a Christian. What a, what a privilege it is to, to know you or you to know us. And we can worship you in spirit and truth. Thank you, Father. Thank you that salvation and that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And we just thank you for that, Father. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.